I don't know if you saw President of Harvard Claudine Gay's resignation letter this evening. It's identical to the one written by the University of Pennsylvania's president. Word for word. Unbelievable. Well, can all the poll numbers be wrong? They usually are. The Iowa caucuses are on January 15th. That's fewer than two weeks from today. Things are getting real, especially for Donald Trump, who actually might lose Iowa. How could that be? Well, we're all working off polls that were taken in mid-December. New polling data comes out later this week. There might be a shift, a little shift in Iowa. And if Trump loses Iowa, then what? Or should I say, then who? Nikki Haley? Would the most racist and sexist Republican Party in modern American history nominate a woman of color who changed her name, then converted to Christianity? There is what the Republican Party says, and there is what they believe. Republicans say they want to secure our borders, but what they really mean is they want to keep dark people from coming here, somebody like Nikki Haley. There is uh, a Republican Party that says it wants to protect the unborn, but what it really means is we're a party that hates women and wants to control them. Why would they ever nominate Nikki Haley? This is a party that says it's all about religious freedom, but what it really means is we hate the LGBTQ community and we only serve the interests of Christian nationalists, white, straight, male Christian nationalists. So the only thing Nikki Haley has going for her right now, vis-a-vis the Republican Party, is she's straight. But by the time the Trump attack machine is done with her, she'll be Ellen DeGeneres' mistress. Believe me, by the time the attack machine is finished, most Americans will believe that Nikki Haley is living with Ellen DeGeneres. So does anyone really think Nikki Haley can win the Republican nomination? Wall Street does. Wall Street is loading her up with dark money. And people are saying, because of that, you know, David, the smart money is on Nikki Haley. The smart money. You mean the people who crashed our economy? Wall Street, that smart money? You mean the people whose entire business model, as Bernie Sanders said, is fraud? That's the smart money that's on Nikki Haley? Nobody on Wall Street can outperform an index fund, but we're told that's the smart money, and the smart money is on Nikki Haley. And cards on the table, I thought Nikki Haley might be able to do it six weeks ago. No longer saying it. I came to my senses. So if not Trump, whom? Ron DeSantis? His poll numbers are cratering, and even his own campaign staff hates him. Seriously, Ron DeSantis's super PAC never surrender, has, in fact, surrendered. Everyone's quitting. They hate each other. The only thing they can agree on is they all hate Ron DeSantis, his wife, and probably his children. The people working for Ron DeSantis hate him almost as much as we do. 
so, where does that leave us? Well, if you're Joe Biden, you're secretly feeling pretty confident right now. Your approval ratings, yes, are at the bottom of the tank. Polling shows that Trump might beat you in November. But polling also shows Nikki Haley beating Biden even more in November. I'll show you why I think Trump could lose Iowa in two weeks. But I don't think the Republican Party, the people who vote for Republicans, have the vocabulary to come to their senses. In the end, this election in November will be decided by two things. Two things. They are voter turnout and voter turnout. I'm sorry, it's three things. I forgot about voter turnout. Biden won in 2020 because more Americans voted than at any time in American history. 66% of eligible voters cast a ballot in 2020. That is the highest percentage of eligible voters since 1900 before women could vote. Why? Why did every, everybody turn out in 2020? Well, partly because mail-in ballots made it easier, but mostly because Donald Trump was on the ballot. So it's a new year. Prepare for sweaty palms. This year, I'm not shaking hands with anybody because I don't want to apologize for my sweaty palms. It is going to be nerve-wracking, but Trump is going to end up hurting the Republicans because Trump gets people to vote, especially Democrats. And if you're a Republican, he's getting the wrong people to vote. Democrats, people in the middle, Republicans who quietly detest the man, too afraid to say it openly, they're not voting for Donald Trump, they're voting for Biden. All the drama this year, all the horrible, frightening things that are about to unfold will get people to the polls in November. It's bad for America, but it's good for Biden and the Democrats. Remember, 2020 was not close. Biden beat Trump by four percentage points in the popular vote. That's not a landslide, but these days it's pretty close to one. Hillary beat Donald Trump by two percentage points in 2016. So why did Biden do better than Hillary? Because there was a 7% increase in voter turnout in 2020. Like I said, the more Americans vote, the better Biden and the Democrats will do. How do you increase voter turnout? You scare the crap out of people. Everyone I know, including me, is terrified that Trump is going to get a second term. And as I said on the podcast this week, as I said on the podcast this week, my friends keep uh, telling me America's turning into Nazi Germany. Really, Nazi Germany. Uh, Germany, home to Einstein, Martin Luther, Karl Marx, Immanuel Kant, Thomas Mann, Beethoven, and Bach. Don't flatter yourself, America. We're too stupid to turn into Nazi Germany. Plus, 
like I keep reminding you, we're never going to march in lockstep here in America because we all hate each other. So we're not turning into Nazi Germany. But it's good to think we are. It's good to think Trump is the most dangerous human on the planet because, you know, if elected, he could be. Then again, if elected, so could Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Chris Christie, and Nikki Haley. You should be terrified of these people. And this is going to be a terrifying year. But if we stay terrified, voter turnout increases and Trump loses. Stay terrified. Remain scared. I get a lot of things wrong, but one thing is for certain. When everybody votes, Democrats win. That's why Republicans are constantly screaming voter fraud and insisting on voter ID, even though the only examples of anyone voting twice in an election always turns out to be some Republican, and they got caught. They didn't get away with it. Voter fraud doesn't exist, but Republicans can't win unless they suppress the vote by making it hard for everyone to cast a ballot. But if Donald Trump's on the ballot in November... I will wait 16 hours in line to cast a ballot for Joe Biden. So be scared. We got reports earlier this morning that a man broke into the Colorado Supreme Court at 1 a.m. on Tuesday and fired shots. Now, at first, we all thought this was related to the Supreme Court's recent ruling to scrape Donald Trump's name off the ballot in Colorado. But now police in Denver are saying the incident was not related to the rash of death threats leveled against government officials who are using the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment to remove Trump's name from the ballot. In Maine, the Secretary of State who removed Trump's name has reportedly been inundated with death threats. She got swatted, and the FBI is looking into death threats against the Colorado Supreme Court. Yeah, there's no better way to prove January 6th wasn't an insurrection than by encouraging your supporters to threaten to kill the people who say it was. Rudy Giuliani, two nights ago, was talking about these 14th Amendment rulings on his radio show. Yeah, Rudy still has a radio show and a podcast, and you can watch him on YouTube because the man doesn't have enough defamation cases on the plate. He just filed for bankruptcy, says he's half a billion in debt. Rudy, you know, you wouldn't be in debt if you just stopped talking. Anyway, Rudy warned a couple days ago that these 14th Amendment disqualifications have the potential, he's concerned, they have the potential to turn Trump supporters violent. Yeah, we know how it works, Rudy, okay? Trump supporters only turn violent after some crazed, broken-down parasite with half a liver opens for the president of the United States on January 6th and shouts to armed goons, today is trial by combat, or words to that effect. Trump supporters don't turn violent until someone plants the idea of violence in their cheese whiz filled brains. When you say, my supporters, I can't control them, but I know my supporters, they won't stand for this. I mean, I can't control how they're going to react. But a lot of them will turn to violence. 
Well, when you say something disingenuous like that, a lot of your supporters become violent. It's called stochastic terrorism, which Trump is the master of. You toss just enough prompts out into the ether, there's always one or two lunatics who will act on your suggestions. I can't control my people. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. On today's program, I'll show you why Trump could lose Iowa. But what happens after Iowa is anybody's guess. And we have a poll uh, in our live studio audience, our chat room. Thank you for joining me today. It's good to see everybody. I hope you had a, a relaxing holiday. Uh, We have a poll, and the question is, we have new graphics. Isn't that great? Will Waterloo, Iowa be Trump's Waterloo? That's the question I'm asking the listeners in the chat room. Will Waterloo, Iowa be (laughs) Peach? That looks just like him. It's like somebody traced Trump's face. There he is uh, campaigning in in Waterloo, Iowa. Will Trump's Waterloo, Iowa be Trump's... No, will Waterloo, Iowa be Trump's Waterloo? If you're watching me live on YouTube, please uh, answer that question. I'll have the results at the end of my episode. For those of you who aren't familiar with ABBA songs, Waterloo, I believe, and I'm probably getting this wrong, I believe, didn't Napoleon... Get defeated at Waterloo? I hope I'm getting that right. Sometimes the lyrics in an ABBA song song are a little hard to decipher. This is the mop-up for January 2nd, 2023. Please like this episode so I remain in your feed. That is the best way to make sure I keep popping up in your feed if you like this. And I encourage everyone to leave comments, especially when I get something wrong, like... Waterloo. God, I, I hope there's a Waterloo, Iowa, and I hope Napoleon was defeated at Waterloo. Uh, I get things wrong. Uh, I did two weeks ago. Well, actually, I didn't get something wrong, but apparently what I said needs clarification. So I was talking about Democratic Senator Joe Manchin possibly running as a third party candidate on a no labels ticket. And I identified New Jersey Democratic Congressman, I'm sorry, the odious New Jersey Democratic Congressman Josh Gottheimer, Gottheimer as a no-labels guy. And one of my listeners corrected me and said Gottheimer is a problem solver, not a no-labels guy. So let me clarify, because there was a little confusion. Gottheimer is one of the co-chairs of the Congressional Problem Solvers Caucus, which is an outgrowth of the no-labels movement. Gottheimer cashes checks from the no-labels people. Gottheimer supports and is supported by no-labels. He does not, and this is where the clarification comes in, he does not support a third-party bid by anyone on a no-labels ticket in 2024. He is all in on Joe Biden. So I shouldn't have identified Godheimer as a supporter of a no-labels third-party bid. I got that wrong. But he is part of 
the No Labels movement. He is a disgusting human being, Josh Gottheimer. One of the worst, but he is voting for Biden. Please leave your corrections, your suggestions in the comments section down below. And I want to situate us in time and space right now by reminding us what's in store for us in the next couple of weeks. There's going to be a lot coming at us. So let's make sure we have our bearings. Okay. The federal budget for, am I doing this right? Okay. Trying new graphics for the new year, which I'll quickly drop tomorrow. The federal budget for 2024 was supposed to have been passed and implemented on October 1st of 2023. But we still have no budget. What we have right now are continuing resolutions. We have two continuing resolutions. Well, we have one continuing resolution that was laddered, which means they expire in two stages. Now, the first ladder of the continuing resolution expires on January 19th, which means, according to my countdown clock, because, you know, I'm trying to improve the production qualities here on the show, we have 16 days, one hour, 37 minutes, and 11 seconds until the first ladder of the continuing resolution expires on January 19th. That means funding will run out for the Department of Agriculture, the Department of Energy. There will be no funding for military construction or for the Department of Veterans Affairs, the Department of Transportation, as well as the Department of Housing and Urban Development. So that's the first ladder. It expires in 16 days. Okay, the second part, okay, of the continuing resolution expires on February 2nd. That means, according to our countdown clock, tomorrow, no more graphics, I promise you. According to our countdown clock, we have 30, this is what happens when you have meetings on how to improve the show. This is what happens when you take time off and, yeah, that'll work. Uh, but so this is the countdown clock that says we have 30 days, 30 days, one hour, 36 minutes and zero seconds until the second ladder of the continuing resolution expires. That would be on February 2nd. That covers funding for the Department of Commerce. The This covers funding for everything the FBI wants to get rid of, okay? This covers funding for the Department of Commerce, the FBI, the Justice Department, our science stuff, Homeland Security, the EPA, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Labor, HHS, Department of Education, funding for the legislative branch, funding for the State Department, everything the Republican Party wants to get rid of, funding for that expires in exactly 30 days, one hour, 35 minutes, and 14 seconds. So we have one month to get the 2024 budget passed. And if that doesn't happen, supposedly a 1% across the board cut is supposed to cut to kick in. That was part of the agreement Joe Biden and then Speaker Kevin McCarthy struck back in June when Congress passed the Fiscal Responsibility Act. Remember that? Of course we don't. As an incentive to pass a budget by October 1st of 2023, 
the Fiscal Responsibility Act uh, put in a 1% across the board funding cut for the entire budget if they can't get a budget by, I don't know, after the second continuing resolution. Anyway, there's supposed to be a 1% across the board cut that kicks in on February 2nd, but nobody has any idea if it will be applied in February or if it will ever kick in. So that's what uh, we have going with the budget. I'll talk more about that uh, later. The Iowa caucuses are 12 days, 20 hours, 33 minutes, and 54 seconds away. Okay. The New Hampshire primary is 20 days, 20 hours, 33 minutes, and 44 seconds until the GOP New Hampshire primary. I'm making fun of this, but uh, it's kind of important. It's, It's kind of important to know where we are in time and space. And the South Carolina uh, Democratic primaries in 31, forget South Carolina, I'm not going to be talking about that. And of course, we have 307 days, 20 hours, and 33 minutes before the general election, the November election. That's where we stand in time and place. Those are the big dates on the calendar to keep an eye on. Tomorrow, I'll get to Trump's court docket. He's uh, got a lot of criminal trials. He's got four criminal trials, several civil suits, including a new one. There's a new civil suit involving Trump selling video phones to unsuspecting customers. That new one came to light over the weekend. So I'll get to Trump's legal calendar tomorrow. Okay. The Iowa Republican presidential caucuses are now 13 days away. (laughs) Hang on. Let me be precise here. Well, it says here 12 days, 20 hours, 32 minutes, and uh, 10 seconds. Precision is the name of the game in podcasts. So the, uh, and the New Hampshire primaries are 21 days away. I'm not going to put the timer up. In three weeks, we'll have a pretty clear picture of how accurate the polling has been. Polling, which right now shows Donald Trump sealing the nomination with a blowout before Super Tuesday. Iowa, I won't tell you (laughs) the countdown clock for, uh, I have a countdown clock for Super Tuesday. I'm going to spare you the Super Tuesday countdown clock, if you behave. Uh, Iowa, 13 days away. New Hampshire, 21 days away. And the Nevada GOP GOP caucuses are 37 days away. Do I have a countdown clock? Yes, I do. So, after the Nevada caucuses, that would be 37 days from now. 37 days, 15 hours, 44 minutes, and 33 seconds. If the polling is accurate, and that means Trump wins Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, then Trump has the nomination. The Republican Party belongs to Donald Trump. But despite the polling, 
winning those two caucuses, Nevada and Iowa, won't be easy, despite the polling. If he wins Nevada and Iowa, I, I can't stand the man, but then he kind of deserves the nomination in a way because caucuses are a litmus test of your ground game, how organized you are. It tells us how serious you are and whether you're not just able to arouse passion, but you're also able to harness that passion by turning idiots into true believers who are willing to work 20-hour days. They work their fingers to the bone because they honestly think you're a transformative candidate. So that's the truth. If, if, if Trump can marshal his forces in Iowa and Nevada, well, he's going to win. Uh, Nevada and Iowa are caucuses. That means they test a candidate's ability to build trust in a, in a retail, almost like a retail uh, it's hand-to-hand combat. So New Hampshire, on the other hand, that's a primary, that tests a candidate's ability to win on a national stage. You're still doing retail politics. You still have to get up face-to-face with the voters. But New Hampshire is national in character because the politics in New Hampshire straddle our national divide. It's a blue state with Republicans more partial to what they used to call Rockefeller Republicans. And Trump won a plurality of votes in New Hampshire's 2016 primary. He only got 35% of the vote. He won, but it was only 35% of the vote. Back then, in 2016, I think a lot of those voters in New Hampshire saw him as a moderate maybe a Rockefeller Republican. Uh, he was a former Democrat. Yes, he said horrible things about Mexican, Mexicans and Muslims, but if you were a Rockefeller Republican in New Hampshire, you were going to vote for Jeb, most likely, or Kasich, but you would, if you're voting for Trump in New Hampshire, for the most part, you would say those things about Mexicans and Muslims. He's just doing that to rev up his base. He doesn't mean it. I think a lot of New Hampshire Republicans in 2016 saw Trump as someone just a little more to the right than Hillary. So what are we looking at? What should we be looking for? Well, if Trump wins really big in New Hampshire, that could spell trouble for Joe Biden in November. Again, I have no idea what's going to happen. This is just what we should watch out for. If Trump wins in New Hampshire and it's a blowout, and I have no reason to believe it will be, but if it's a blowout, that says he's able to bring in the more moderate wing of the Republican Party. Even though the moderate wing of the Republican Party in New Hampshire is not supporting Donald Trump, uh, Governor Sununu of New Hampshire's endorsed Nikki Haley. Short of an upset, what we're looking at in New Hampshire, what to pay attention to in New Hampshire is not whether he wins it. He's going to win it. That's what the polls say right now. We'll get new polling later in the week. What you should be paying attention to is the size of Trump's victory. 
the bigger the win for Trump in New Hampshire, the scarier he will look in November, because like I said, New Hampshire is a test run for the general election. It is not Iowa. It, it really does straddle the divide in this country. It is almost a metaphor, a representation of America writ large, New Hampshire. But our New Hampshire Republicans, a metaphor for America writ large. Completely different beast. This, we have no idea what's going to happen in New Hampshire. So New Hampshire is a primary. Caucuses, as you know, are different from primaries. You need the ground game. You need a real ground game with caucuses. And they require, like I said, a lot more work. And in many ways, the caucuses signal what kind of White House you're going to run, how you're going to run it. Can you delegate? Can you get people to walk through walls for you? In a caucus, you have to show up to vote. So, can't mail it in in a caucus. You have to show up to vote, at least the Republican caucus in Nevada and Iowa. Democratic caucus, you don't have to show. That's, I'll get to that in a second. So, 37 days from now, we will have had only one primary, New Hampshire, and two caucuses, one in Iowa and one in Nevada. Results in Iowa and Nevada, by virtue of their methodology, do not reflect national polling. In fact, they might not even reflect the polling in Iowa and Nevada, okay? Again, caucuses are about who shows up. If elections are about voter turnout, caucuses are about showing up in person. That's a lot different. The Iowa caucuses are gatherings in schools, churches, people's homes, and they're held in individual voting precincts. It's messy. And it's worth noting that, for the most part, Iowa is not secret ballot. Nevada caucuses are secret ballots. Iowa is not a secret ballot. In Iowa, especially, that's great, especially in Iowa, each room is divided into groups. Haley supporters are then asked to stand over here. DeSantis supporters are asked to stand over there. Trump supporters are asked to stand outside because, like their candidate, they stink. Nobody wants to smell them. So Iowa will be interesting because it's all predicated on your ground game. It's predicated on running a, a smart campaign, knocking on doors, retail politics. You cannot win Iowa from the air. Uh, yes, Republican candidates will have spent a little more than $110 million in Iowa on television and radio by January 15th. But that's not what moves the needle in the caucuses. That's what keeps the needle in place. It reminds voters of who they're going to caucus for. In Iowa, I cannot stress this enough, if you're a candidate, you need to be present you can't fly in on your private jet, do a big rally, maybe a few interviews with a local television station, and leave. At least that's, I want to go <laughs> large here, hang on. This is great. 
At least that's what conventional wisdom tells us. So right now, that is so great, what uh, at least that's what conventional wisdom tells us. Right now, Trump has a commanding lead in Iowa. Real clear averages show him with little more than 51% of the vote. That's a majority. That's not a plurality. DeSantis is in second with a little more than 16%. Haley is in third with 16%. Uh, I'm sorry, she's got less than 16%. Uh, Now, Iowa Republicans have a history of defying expectations. Winners run hot in the final days. It's not unusual to see someone polling in third place, like Nikki Haley in Iowa, then suddenly leapfrogging to the top right around now. A new tranche of polls will be coming out this week. So everything I'm working off right now is pre-Christmas. Right now is when someone in Iowa usually starts to move imperceptibly and the race tightens. It, it should, we should see signs of it in December and then it comes to fruition right around now. It didn't happen in December. We, we, we saw Haley and uh, DeSantis flopping around in second place, but nobody's surging. So history suggests that when the next tranche of polls comes out this week, we should see something moving. Unless Trump has this whole thing locked up. I don't know. Again, Iowa never serves as a leading indicator. Reagan won the Republican nomination in 1980, but it was George Herbert Walker Bush who won the Iowa caucuses that year. In 2008, Mike Huckabee trounced Romney in Iowa. Romney came in second in Iowa in 2008, but it was John McCain who ended up with the Republican nomination in 2008, and he only got 13% of the vote in Iowa. This is where it gets interesting. This is where it gets really interesting. Four years later, Mitt Romney got the Republican nomination. Okay, that's 2012. But he lost the Iowa caucuses in a squeaker to Pennsylvania Senator Rick Santorum, who, like Mike Huckabee four years earlier, was the darling of the pro-life movement. And if you don't believe any of this, Google the word Santorum. Do it right now. Just Google the word Santorum. I'll wait. Google the word Santorum. That's for my older listeners who have a memory of what the uh, some LGBTQ activists did to Rick Santorum. Uh, I can't repeat what they did, but if you Google the word Santorum, I think you still will find uh, how it's defined. Okay. Uh, Four years later, 2016, Donald Trump got the GOP nomination, but it was Ted Cruz, another darling of the pro-life movement who won Iowa, beating out Trump by four percentage points. Again, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, Google the word Santorum. So, using history, 
as my guide, and that's always a mistake, DeSantis should win Iowa. He has the endorsement from the Republican governor, Kim Reynolds, who Trump has attacked mercilessly. She didn't endorse him, so he turns on her. That's the thing about Trump is he makes many enemies within his own party. He makes enemies, he makes as many enemies in the Republican Party as he does in the Democrats, with the Democrats. You don't make enemies with people who don't endorse you because you're going to need them for November. Here, here is Governor, governor of uh, Iowa, uh, Kim Reynolds, getting attacked by uh, Donald Trump. I'm sorry, that is, that's a mistake. That would be Donald Trump expressing Marjorie Taylor Greene's anal glands. My apologies. Let me just show you that because if uh, that is, yeah, that is Donald Trump expressing Marjorie Taylor Greene's anal glands. If you don't do that once a month, she's even more impossible to deal with. And that's the truth. That, that, that is the truth. Anyway, back to Ron DeSantis. Bob Vanderplatz is the big evangelical leader in Iowa. He's endorsed every winning candidate going back at least four election cycles. He's endorsing DeSantis. And DeSantis has planted his roots in Iowa. He campaigned in every single precinct. I think he's the only Republican who has campaigned in every precinct in Iowa. And if he doesn't win in Iowa, he's done. Well, he's done anyway. If he doesn't win in Iowa, he's completely through. His poll numbers are crashing nationwide. But they do hold steady in Iowa because he went in there early and stayed there. Now, he's in second place, and he has got to win Iowa. How does he win Iowa? Why am I saying he should win Iowa? By using history as a guide. Well... The big question regarding Iowa is, will abortion be on the ballot? In just under two weeks, will abortion be on the ballot? Because if abortion is on the ballot, that's good for Ron DeSantis. We know Republicans wish abortion would go away. But do Republicans in Iowa want abortion to go away. If Trump wins Iowa, that means abortion was not on the ballot in Iowa. And that's good for Democrats. That will be good for Democrats. That means Republicans in Iowa think overturning Roe was sufficient. They agree with Trump, who has said it's a states' rights thing now. We don't need a nationwide abortion ban. A vote for Trump is saying that Republicans in Iowa are done with the pro-life evangelicals. And in the end, that's good for Democrats in November. Uh, Because uh, Republicans will then abandon the big pro-life evangelical machine. And I don't see how Republicans can win in November without the big pro-life evangelical voting machine. If Republican voters are going soft on abortion, 
That means a lot of evangelicals stay home in November. And Trump, he can't win without the evangelicals. So hard to say. It's going to be interesting. Abortion, abortion, abortion. This is the issue that Republicans wish would go away, but Democrats are all in on abortion this year. Democrats are trying to put abortion on the ballot for the November election because they know a majority of Americans are done with it. They don't want to discuss it anymore. It's private. It's personal. They're sickened by the pro-life movement. That's why Democrats are trying to saddle the GOP with the evangelicals, the right-wing evangelicals. Democrats want to be able to point to the GOP and say, this, this is the party that overturned Roe, and next they're coming for your contraception. This is what you do when you have a nominee like Joe Biden, whose approval ratings are underwater. Now, I, I, I defend Biden now. I've had my quarrels with him. This is 2024. I'm a Bernie guy, but Biden has to win in 2024, and I'm not going to trash Biden. He's he's not wasn't my first choice, my second choice, my third choice, or my fourth choice, but he may be the most consequential president since Lyndon Johnson. Even though half the half this country half. The, for half the people living in America, the economy does not work for half the people who live in this country. But Joe Biden, and I've talked about this, go back and watch shows from last year. He may be the most consequential president since Lyndon Johnson. But his poll numbers are in the tank. And what you do when you have a an incumbent whose poll numbers are in the tank, you put culture war issues on the ballot to get people to vote. Liberals will show up on election day to vote for abortion. And then they'll toss in a vote for Joe Biden, who they're lukewarm about. But, you know, since I, I'm already voting for abortion, I might as well throw in for Biden as well. In 2004, the Democrats learned this back in 2004 when George W. Bush was underwater. He was running for re-election. He invaded the wrong country. Oops. Uh, Conservatives were unhappy with how big he made the federal government. So Karl Rove and the closeted gay chairman of the Republican National Committee, Ken Melman, put same-sex marriage on the ballot in several key swing states. That's what Ken Melman, he's come out of the closet since, but the Harvard Law School graduate Ken Melman, the very ambitious Ken Melman, was willing to cause people from his tribe, the LGBTQ community, to commit suicide by putting same-sex marriage on the ballot in several key swing states in 2004, and it worked. Conservatives, conservative Republicans who were disenchanted with Bush, turned out to vote against same-sex marriage, and they figured, you know what, I'll also check the box. I don't like Bush, but as long as as I'm voting against same-sex marriage, I might as well go all in on Bush. 
Yeah, that's not funny. But it worked. So Democrats are putting, I shouldn't have done the Bush joke. I apologize. So Democrats uh, are putting abortion on the ballot all over the country. They're trying to get as many propositions as possible on state ballots that would essentially enshrine in each state's constitution a woman's right to choose. So this is important, not just for getting Joe Biden reelected. Arizona, the swing state that Hillary lost, but Joe Biden won, he won it narrowly, they might have abortion on the ballot in November, and that would be good news for Democratic Congressman Ruben Gallego, who is running for Kirsten Sinema's seat. Sinema was a Democrat. She's now an independent. She still caucuses with the Democrats. We're not sure she's even running for re-election, but it is a seat the Democrats need to keep in order to hold on to their majority in the Senate. Florida will probably have an abortion measure on the ballot in November. And abortion polls very well in Florida. Now, Biden is not flipping Florida. But abortion could be a problem for Republican Senator Rick Scott. He's the health care executive who ripped off Medicare by as much as $1 billion. Biggest fine in the history of the Justice Department at the time. Stole a billion dollars from Medicare. Became governor of Florida afterwards. Now he's a senator from Florida. He's running for re-election. He stole a billion dollars from Medicare. A billion. And all they did was fine him. Rick Scott stole a billion dollars from Medicare and he gets to be the senator from Florida. Well, they're putting abortion on the ballot in Florida. Missouri might have abortion on the ballot in November. Biden isn't flipping Missouri. But abortion on the ballot could be a problem for Republican Senator Josh Hawley, who, if you remember, raised his fist in solidarity with the January Sixers right before he went running from them like the coward he is. By the way, Lucas Kuntz is running for that seat. He's a formidable candidate. He should win. He'd be a great Democratic senator from Missouri. Randy Bryce contacted me. He listens to the show. And he said he could help me get Lucas Kuntz on the show for, uh, we'll do a fundraiser on a Saturday night. Lucas Kuntz, if you live in Missouri, you should vote for Lucas Kuntz. And if you're an American citizen, you should donate to Lucas Kuntz. Montana might have abortion on the ballot in November. That's another state. Biden will not win, but Montana voters are ticket splitters, and abortion would be good for Democratic Senator John Tester, who is running for re-election. If the Democrats want to keep the Senate, they cannot let Republicans flip Montana. John Tester must keep his seat, especially since West Virginia will automatically turn red in November as Joe Manchin retires from the Senate and the Republican governor of West Virginia, 
Justice, I think his first name is Jim, Jim Justice, is going to get elected Republican senator from West, West Virginia. Abortion might also be on the ballot in Nevada. What would Nevada be without abortion? Nevada is barely blue. Hillary and Biden each beat Trump there. But, uh, you know, it's always narrow in Nevada. Jackie Rosen is a first-term Democratic senator from Nevada. She's running for re-election. If abortion is on the ballot in November, she'll most likely keep her seat. It is the Republicans. Now, these are examples of Democrats trying to get abortion measures on state ballots. But in Pennsylvania, it's the Republicans who are trying to put abortion on the ballot in November with a proposed proposition that says there is no state right in their constitution that guarantees a woman's right to choose. This is what Kansas put on the ballot last year, and it lost. Even the people in Kansas voted not to... uh, basically outlaw abortion in Kansas. But the Republicans in Pennsylvania want a similar measure that Kansas tried to get written into its constitution. And this is a prime, another prime example of how tone-deaf Republicans continue to be in states like Pennsylvania that are basically blue. Not completely blue, but they're getting there. So... What are Pennsylvania Republicans, and they're idiots, they really are, Pennsylvania Republicans are the dumbest of the dumb. What are they trying to accomplish by getting abortion on the ballot other than just being stupid? They think they're being smart. Because Democratic Senator Bob Casey is running for re-election. Republicans, because they're stupid, mistakenly believe Democrat Casey is weak on abortion. He's not. Now, I think he's wrong on abortion, but politically speaking, he's not weak on abortion. We're talking politics here. We're talking about winning. He's not weak on abortion politically. Casey is a Roman Catholic who has threaded the abortion needle perfectly for his Republican and Democratic constituents in Pennsylvania. He calls himself an anti-abortion Democrat. What does that mean? He is opposed to abortion for his family, but not for others. Pretty good. Pretty good. I disagree with him. I, I'm... Uh, I'm, uh, I want other people to get abortions. Uh, I want my family to keep having kids, but everybody else should be forced. Mandatory abortions forever. No, he's opposed to abortion for himself, for his family. But it's a personal issue. It's private. He's an old-school Clinton Democrat, who says abortion should be safe, legal, and rare, which is how I like my steaks. 
Um, I'm not going to go there. So he believes, uh, no, don't do it. Sorry. If I were five years younger, I would go there. Anyway, he uh, believes we should address the social issues that lead to unwanted pregnancies, thereby making abortions unnecessary. And that's why Republicans are making a big mistake trying to get abortion on the ballot in Pennsylvania. They're stupid. They think if an anti-abortion Democrat like Casey, they think if an anti-abortion measure is on the ballot, Casey will be forced to tie himself in knots trying to defend his convoluted position. It's not convoluted. But Republicans are thinking we get it on the ballot, then we get to run ads asking how Democrat Bob Casey can call himself an anti-abortion Democrat but still come out against a ballot measure that says the right to an abortion is not enshrined in the state constitution. Well, this is the quintessential problem with Republicans. They're they're stupid, and they're stupid because they only see things in black and white. No room for nuance. Casey's stance, Senator Bob Casey... His stance on abortion is clear, yet nuanced. Things can be clear and nuanced. So he should have no problem. He is anti-abortion, but he's pro-Roe v. Wade. He adamantly attacked the Dobbs decision back in 2022. He, I'm speaking in shorthand. Dobbs was the ruling, I think, that overturned Roe v. Wade. It was written by Alito, I think. He's anti-abortion, but he supports a woman's right to choose. So I doubt he'll have any problem defending his abortion position with Pennsylvania voters. By all means, Pennsylvania Republicans, go ahead. Please, knock yourself out. Put abortion on the ballot in November. Knock yourself out. Casey and Biden... You do that, Casey and Biden will win Pennsylvania even bigger. Which brings us back to Iowa. Abortion, abortion, abortion. Rick Santorum won the Iowa caucuses, as I told you, in 2012. This is where it gets really interesting. He won the Iowa caucuses as a Republican in 2012, running as the pro-life candidate. At the time, in 2012, he was a former senator from Pennsylvania. By 2012, Mr. Pro-Life Rick Santorum, he could not win in Pennsylvania. He lost big to Bob Casey in 2006 because Santorum was Mr. Pro-Life in 2006 when he was running for re-election, and Casey won his seat. He won his seat. Casey won it big in 2006. But six years later, Rick Santorum ran for president. He was no longer a United States senator, so he just hung out in Iowa and ran for president. And he won the Iowa caucuses. 
which suggests what? If you're using history as a guide, what? Well, you can have a far more nuanced position on abortion in states like Pennsylvania than you can in a state like Iowa. At least that was 12 years ago. This is why Iowa is going to be so interesting. This is, it's about abortion. It's going to tell us where the Republican Party is on abortion. So Pennsylvania voters in 2006 were perfectly fine with a Democrat like Casey who says he's opposed to abortion, but, you know, at the same time, he supports a national abortion rights bill. But it's also why back in 2006, Santorum was defeated, lost his Senate seat in Pennsylvania, but six years later, he's able to win Iowa as the anti-abortion candidate. He beat Romney. Now, what does this all mean? Because it's it's Republican politics, not national politics. We're talking about Republican politics in Iowa. Uh, Obama was pro-choice, and he won Iowa in the general in 2012. So there's a difference between the state of Iowa writ large and the Republican voters in Iowa when it comes to abortion. Again, will abortion be on the ballot in 13 days? Are the pro-lifers in Iowa as animated as they have been in the past? The evangelical get-out-the-vote machine has always been a juggernaut to be reckoned with. Is it still in a post-Roe landscape? How powerful is the evangelical get-out-the-vote machine? It's going to be really interesting to see in Iowa. Can the evangelical voter turnout machine keep going to the same well with abortion? Do Republicans in Iowa still care about abortion? If abortion is on the ballot in Iowa in two weeks, then I have to believe Donald Trump's in trouble. And I don't care what the polls say. Iowa is about showing up. These caucuses are a time suck for voters. Trump voters, January 6th notwithstanding, are inherently lazy. They enjoy how effortless it is to own a liberal. But they don't take elections seriously. How could they? So are MAGA Republicans in Iowa really going to invest all that time participating in an Iowa caucus when they have way more important things to do, like absolutely nothing. This will be a test of the evangelical get-out-the-vote machine. And never forget that Trump has turned his back on the evangelical get-out-the-vote machine. The very people who got him elected in 2016, Donald Trump has washed his hands. He's, he's called them ungrateful. 
He said, I got you the three justices who overturned Roe, and that's still not good enough for you. We're done. Now, that's something he could say to win in New Hampshire and something he can say to win in November, but it's not something you say to win in Iowa. Okay, so this is interesting. This is really interesting. Take a look at this CBS poll that came out exactly one month before the Iowa caucuses. This was a poll that came out right before Christmas. And like I, this is important. We're going to see new polling this week, and there could be a dramatic shift. But for the most part, the polling has remained constant. Haley and DeSantis go up and down in Iowa, but Trump's polling remains stable. So take a look. Trump in Iowa, here in the CBS YouGov poll, he gets 58% in Iowa. DeSantis gets 22%, Haley with 13%. I picked this poll because it reflects the polling averages right now. This is kind of where most polling in Iowa was landing before Christmas. Okay. This is why I think Trump has a problem in Iowa. If you dig down and look at the internals, it tells you that among likely Republican voters in Iowa, when it comes to abortion, there's no room for nuance. There's still no room for nuance when it comes to abortion in Iowa. I mean, this is really incredible. I mean, look at this. We might as well be looking at 2012 when Rick Santorum won Iowa. Look at this. 74% of likely Republican voters in Iowa say abortion should be illegal in all or most cases. That's astounding. The, the Dobbs decision back in 2022 did nothing to calm down these pro-life voters in Iowa. Compare that to likely Republican voters in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, it's the pro-life movement that's completely underwater. It's the flip side of Iowa. Among likely Republicans, right, 57% of likely Republican voters in New Hampshire say abortion should, should be legal in all or most cases. Abortion, abortion, abortion. This is so interesting. Iowa is going to be so fascinating. Iowa is a time warp. And I'm, I don't see how Ron DeSantis cannot win Iowa. If, if likely Republican voters are, are this fervent about abortion... Uh, if abortion is on the ballot, if the pro-life movement gets its act together, if the governor of Iowa has her act together, it's good news for Ron DeSantis. I predicted last year that DeSantis was going to win Iowa. I don't make bets. Abortion, uh, but I would bet on, if you're going to make a bet, 
don't bet a lot, uh, I would bet on DeSantis. Okay. Now it gets really interesting. We have New Hampshire in 21 days. Now keep in mind, this is the first time that Democrats will not be participating in a New Hampshire primary or an Iowa caucus. I know, Marianne Williamson, Robert, whatever, whatever's going on there. God bless them. Biden is essentially not on the ballot in Iowa on uh, January 15th or New Hampshire. So what does this mean? Here is something that I think will blow up Iowa and possibly New Hampshire. According to the Des Moines Register, this is incredible. Use your imagination here. You have to be a registered Republican in order to participate in the Iowa caucuses. But this is effing incredible. There are 1,670 precincts in Iowa. Each one of those precincts will hold a caucus. Okay, you can show up to your precinct on the day of the caucus and change your voter registration. Remember, there will be no Iowa caucuses for Democrats on January 15th. You got a lot of Democrats who are used to caucusing. No caucuses for them. And you can show up to a Republican caucus on the day of and change your voter registration. Now, the Democrats are meeting, they're caucusing on January 15th, but not to pick a president. They're discussing party business. Uh, They're going to nominate Biden. It's all being done through the mail. Uh, If you're a registered Democrat in Iowa, you fill out a ballot that was mailed to you last November. And then on March 5th, the Democratic Party in Iowa will tally all those ballots and declare Joe Biden as the nominee. But there's no caucus. And a lot of people enjoy caucusing. So Iowa Democrats, I know most of you are ahead of me on this, Iowa Democrats have absolutely nothing to do on January 15th. Not only that, if you're going to be 18 By November of next year, you can, as a 17-year-old, still in high school, show up on January (laughs) January 15th, register as a Republican, and participate in a Republican caucus. Uh, I don't know how many of you were ever 17-year-olds. Uh, Now, if you're a 17-year-old in Iowa, let's be honest, besides caucusing, you know, what else is there to do? If you're a Democrat and there's no caucus and you want something to do on January 15th, especially if you're (laughs) a 17-year-old high school student, I know what I would be doing I know what my sons would be doing. I know what I would be telling my sons and daughters to be doing. Uh, I, <laughs> I'd go buy them 
MAGA hats and tell them, guess what, kids? You're Republicans. And go mess things up. I think I would tell them that, and I would be wrong. Seriously, I would be wrong for telling them that. And don't do it. And I mean that. And I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't do it. But when I read that you get to register as a Republican the day of, I thought, well, why aren't people talking about this in the news? Well, because they don't want 17-year-olds or people like me who have the mind of a 17-year-old to, you know. Look, conventional wisdom is Trump wins Iowa. But if he doesn't, remember he lost Iowa in 2016. The first words out of his mouth, voter fraud. He is going to claim fraud at the polls. And what he's probably going to end up saying is Democrats, I lost because Democrats registered as Republicans and messed with the results. Uh, now, don't do it. And we get to why you shouldn't do it in a second. Uh, but there is no downside to registering as a Republican in Iowa other than it's not patriotic. And, and uh, it's something you, you shouldn't even entertain doing. It's immoral. And I'll tell you why it won't help in a second, but just on principle alone, you should not do this. But if you did do it, you still get to vote for Biden in November. You can register as a Republican, mess up the caucuses, and uh, you still get to vote for Biden in November. Do not do it. Do, it is immoral, and it's bad karma. Uh I do think this will be, if Trump loses, uh, what he'll claim. Now, the Democrats abandoned Iowa in 2020. They're done with the, these caucuses. It was a mess in 2020. And I suspect uh, if Trump loses Iowa, it will be the last Iowa caucuses Republicans ever have. I suspect... Uh, he's going to say these results are warped. With he'll say accusation, he'll offer up accusations that Democrats who wanted to mess with the process registered as Republicans uh, because they have nothing else to do. Okay, brings me to New Hampshire, where Biden isn't on the ballot either in New Hampshire. Technically, now there are laws in New Hampshire that allow non-registered voters to vote in the Republican primaries, which means tens of thousands of voters who are not normally Republican will be voting in New Hampshire. And this is going to be problematic because uh, think about this for a second. In Iowa and in New Hampshire, Biden won't be on the ballot. Essentially, the Democrats have nothing to do in Iowa or New Hampshire this month. Uh, 
There is the potential for crossover. There is. Democrats who honestly are toying with the idea of voting in the Republican, voting as Republican, or Democrats being mischievous and skewing the results in both Iowa and in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is going to have tens of thousands of independents, possibly Democrats, voting in this primary. It's going to have a different, it's going to be different. And we don't know how many uh, non-Republicans will be voting in the New Hampshire primary or why. Again, I can assure you, if Trump loses either of those states, that's the first thing he's going to say. He's going to say Democrats voted in both states, so these results are meaningless. He'll get his lawyers to file lawsuits trying to strip the winner of all the delegates that they won in New Hampshire or Iowa saying it's fraud. That's what he's going to do. That's what I predict. That's what I've been thinking hard and long about this, and I should be working for Trump. And then after New Hampshire, we have the Nevada caucuses on February 8th. Those are done by secret ballot. It's a little more anonymous than Iowa. By the way, on December 6th, a grand jury indicted the chairman of the Republican Party in Nevada, Michael McDonald, for participating in the 2020 fall selector scheme. Who knows how Nevada goes? I would assume Trump has something resembling a ground game in Nevada, but who knows? And then it's South Carolina's Republican primary on Saturday, February 24th. You have to register as a Republican to vote by January 25th. Again, if Trump loses, I have no doubt he'll claim the primaries were contaminated by Democrats registering as Republicans. Okay, a couple more thoughts on being mischievous and doing the unpatriotic, un-American thing to do. It is a horrible thing for a Democrat, and I'm being serious. This is not, sometimes I say things I don't mean. I've entertained the idea, obviously, of this kind of mischief. It is a horrible thing to do. Now, Rush Limbaugh, horrible human being. Uh, I'm not going to say anything bad. My mother taught me never say anything bad about people who deserve to be dead. So I'm not going to say anything bad about Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh in 2008 urged Republicans... This, I'm going to show you why this is a bad idea, to be mischievous, to be unpatriotic and un-American. It's bad karma. It really is bad karma. You'll get punished for it somehow, I promise you. You do something like this, register as a Republican to mess with... Something bad will happen to you because of this. It's really a bad thing to do. It's funny but it's a bad thing to do. In 2008, Rush Limbaugh, who was a bad thing to do, urged Republicans to register as Democrats during the primaries and vote for Hillary over Obama to create chaos at the nominating convention. See why it's a bad thing to do? It's bad. It's just bad. People, this is something Rush Limbaugh would tell people to do. Now, Limbaugh wanted Obama to, to be the nominee because he figured Obama 
would be easier for John McCain to beat in 2008. So when it became apparent that Obama was probably going to get the nomination, Rush Limbaugh urged his listeners to register as Democrats in something Limbaugh called Operation Chaos. He wanted Obama to win the nomination, but he wanted Obama to go into the convention weak. So he urged his fans to register as Democrats and vote for Hillary in the Indiana primary. I think the Texas primary as well, but I know for sure it was Indiana. And Senator John Kerry, who was, he was the Democratic nominee in 2004. He was a big Obama supporter, not a Hillary Clinton supporter in 2004. Hillary won Indiana. And John Kerry blamed Rush Limbaugh. John Kerry said, how is it possible that the frontrunner, Obama, lost Indiana uh, and, and Hillary won. It has to be Rush Limbaugh's fault, the same way Hillary losing in 2016 had to be Vladimir Putin's fault. A closer look reveals that Rush Limbaugh's Operation Chaos had zero effect on Indiana. Did nothing. Okay. And by the way, Rush Limbaugh was wrong. He wanted Obama to be the nominee because Rush Limbaugh, in the end, was an idiot talking to other idiots. He thought Obama would be easier for McCain to beat. We know how that turned out. Well, uh, you can be sure, however, that when or if Trump loses Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, or South Carolina, he will based on zero evidence, claim that the results are invalid due to party crossover. Mischief. Democrats had nothing to do. They registered as Republicans to mess with him. And I know that very few Democrats will do this. One of the reasons you're not going to do it is because who do you vote for? Who, who would you... If you okay, so you register as a Republican... To, to help Biden, who are you going to vote for to help Biden? Are, are you Kreskin? Can you see into the future? Who's the better candidate for Biden? Remember, Rush Limbaugh wanted Obama to be nominated. He thought Obama's easier to beat than Hillary. So who do you vote for if you're an asshole Democrat who registers as a Republican and decides to mess with the Iowa caucuses or the New Hampshire primary. Who would you vote for? Well, if you want Biden to win in November, I'm guessing you probably should vote for Donald Trump. So that's why Trump's argument will hold no water. If he loses and then says it was Democrats messing with the vote, you know, voting. Well, if you're a smart Democrat who's looking at the polls, you want Donald Trump to get the nomination. Probably. Probably. It will be scary, but you want Trump to get the nomination. 
Trump lost in 2020 because he turned on every single member of the Republican Party who wouldn't support him, wasn't loyal enough. So I don't know. I don't care what the polls say for November. If Trump beats Biden in November fairly, if more Americans actually choose Trump over Biden, then that would mean a majority of Americans have voted against democracy. Now think about that for a second. How does that, how do you vote against democracy? How do you get people to vote against democracy? I know we have a lot of stupid people in America, but how do you get people to vote against democracy? If you're against democracy, you're not going to vote. I just don't see Trump winning in November. Look, this is my first show of the year. And I don't want you to be scared. I want you to be terrified. Now, there's nothing to be terrified of because Trump is a total incompetent. Like this project 2025 that the Heritage Foundation is putting together so he can hit the ground running. Uh Alina Abba, it's more, it's uh, Stephen Miller's, these people are idiots. Peter Navarro, these are all idiots. Uh, These are incompetence, but they can do a lot of damage inadvertently. And as long as you remain terrified, you will vote this November. See, we don't have mandatory voting in America like they do in Australia, so... To get out the vote, they have to scare us. Somebody is smoking pot here. I don't know where it is, but somebody. I live around a lot of old, I have a lot of old neighbors. Grandma is hitting her bong tonight. Wow. It is seeping through the walls. Uh, Okay, what was I talking? I'm getting a contact high from grandma next door. Uh, wow. Uh, so they, they have to scare us to vote. And uh, they want us scared. So be scared. Be terrified. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a Jew. And if history... <laughs> I don't know if anybody ever figured that out. If history has taught us anything, it's the second, the nanosecond that you stop being terrified, that's when everything turns to shit. That's one lesson that Jews have learned throughout history. The minute you think it's all going to be okay, it turns to shit. So remain scared. Remain horrified and paranoid and terrified. And make sure you're registered to vote as a Democrat. And don't register to vote as a Republican to mess with their caucuses or their primaries. Because trust me, Republicans are much better at destroying themselves than we'll ever be. They're much better at destroying themselves than we, they can do way more damage to themselves than we can inflict on them. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak.
Thank you. This is, uh, we have a poll, by the way. This is, uh, I'm, I have, that's Trump's Waterloo. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but with our new graphic, did I show you my countdowns till the, did I show this to you, the countdown to the uh, 2024 election? Here, I have something. Uh, hang on. Oh, now we're in, uh, hang on, is this, this is a, are we a rerun? What happened here? I hit the wrong button. There was something I was going to... Oh, here we go. So I remember everything. Hang on. Okay. This way, I always forget how to close the show. We had a meeting, and we said, wow, why don't we do this? It's so much better. <sighs> Thank you for watching. Please leave a comment telling me how much you love the, <laughs> the graphics, the countdown clock. Uh, you know, please, more countdown clocks. That's what we're, we're going to have. I think I'm just going to turn the entire show into one <laughs> big countdown clock. Uh, thank you to the mods in the chat room, uh, Bob, for keeping it civilized. I think Autumn is also helping out there. Please like this episode so it remains in your feed. Please share this that's the best way to help me please subscribe to my newsletter and of course subscribe to this channel please subscribe to this channel okay we had a a uh, a, a question in the poll and the question was about waterloo will iowa's waterloo be trump's waterloo in other words will trump lose in Iowa, let's see if anybody. I let's see if anybody's watching. Hello, hey, to this channel. Please, Please subscribe. okay. Oh, hello, hey Bob. Hello, everybody. Okay. Uh, oh, Autumn retired. Okay. The poll. Let's see. How do I open this? We have one thousand three. 100 votes. Okay. Waterloo, Iowa will be Trump's Waterloo. Yes or no? Well, this is interesting. Unless I forgot what Waterloo means, 71% of my audience on YouTube watching me live, 71% say yes. Waterloo, Iowa will be Trump's Waterloo. 29% of 1,300 votes says no. 71% yes, 29% no. I, uh, I hope, the, 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 I understood the question, Waterloo means he's going to lose, right? There's a Waterloo, Iowa. So if it's his Waterloo, it means he's Napoleon and he lost. Wow, if this is what my first show of the year is like, it's <laughs> it's just going to get worse. Oh, my God. Uh, is that it? Thank you to everybody. I'm probably leaving something out. It's good to be back. I, I took a week off. It's good to see everybody. This is very exciting. It's going to be an exciting year. Uh, I'll see everybody tomorrow. Thank you so much. 